You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Well, in the spirit of encouraging us as a church towards prayer and engaging in that together, uh, last week I shared a few quotes of prayer so that if I say anything that is not really of any value, at least you're hearing it some, from other people that have thought more and deep more and probably, hope, I think, better than probably what I will be able to. So intro with said quotes to inspire us to be a people of prayer. Prayer is the way to experience a powerful confidence that God is handing, handling our lives well, that our bad things will turn out for good. Our good things cannot be taken away from us and the best things are yet to, to come. Timothy Keller. From Francis Chan, my love for prayer was an answer to prayer. Eugene Peterson, prayer is the disciplined refusal to act before God acts. From A.W. Tozer, to pray without expectation is to misunderstand the whole concept of prayer and relationship with God. From Paul Washer, I have never met, I've never met an old saint who regretted having spent too much time in prayer. But I have met many who regretted having spent too little. Today, we examine the prayer from Psalm 139. The prayer in short, the last two verses, Search me, O God, search me and know my heart and try me, try me and know my thoughts and see, see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How do you feel about this prayer? You see, I think this prayer, this prayer feels foreign to many of us. This prayer feels foreign to many of us. But the irony is, despite it's how foreign it is, this is, this is actually, this request is not something new for us in our modern Western age. Search me, know my heart, lead me. You know, society is always praying this prayer. Personal trainers, are an answer to this prayer. Dentists, they will search you, they will x-ray you, they will look into you and they will know you and then they will lead you and fleece you. Psychologists, psychologists are an expression of this prayer. Search my heart, know me and lead me. Strength finders, who's on a strength finder online? Strength finders, search me, know me. Leave me. You know, what about those stupid Facebook surveys? You know where it pops up on that person's feed? It's just like, what kind of colour are you? You know, it's just like, if you read it, it's just like, oh, I'm this colour. If I do these five questions, this thing knows me so well. People have a longing to pray this prayer. And we, they, we, we see the people do the surveys. And every time we look, oh, maybe I should do that survey. I'll find out what sort of Disney character I am. <laughs> and sometimes we're even told to do this prayer, aren't we? Have you ever been referred by a medical practitioner to do an MRI? Whoa, that is a searching, isn't it? Or have you ever been a part of work and they've done a 360 review with your colleagues? That's never awkward. It says here, Louis, that uh, you can be a little bit crass and sarcastic in some of your jokes. And you have a dislike for Facebook surveys. Yes, well, 
All of my workmates know that. But this prayer, it still feels strange, doesn't it? Why does this prayer feel strange? Know me, search me, lead me. Well, it goes against the danger of this prayer, the, the weight of this prayer, the, the, the reason why the enemy of God does not want you or us to pray this prayer is that the longing for us to escape from God's presence is as old as the fall. What was it that Adam and Eve did as soon as they sinned against the most holy God? What did they do? They felt naked and ashamed and they went and hid away in a bush, didn't they? Since the first ever, dis ever disobedience toward God, all mankind has inherited, we have all inherited a disposition to want to hide from the presence of God. So the very thought, the very act of us even engaging in this psalm and willingly thinking to look towards asking God to expose in us, to expose our heart towards him, that is incomprehensible to our inherited value system. It goes against our DNA since the fall. It's countercultural. It's a prayer that directs towards God our trust and our dependence. And this is countercultural. That's our deeply embedded soul DNA. But there's other reasons why this request will feel weird. While we would battle and we would feel the pressure of, of not wanting to enter into this prayerful posture. The other is that society trains us not to put your trust in the God of the Bible, doesn't it? It's the air that we breathe in our Western society because, you know, we're modern people now, yeah? We're modern. You know, we have been enlightened. We have science. Mm. Give me some of that sweet, sweet science. And because of that, because of our science, because of our, our advances, we have everything we need. You know, I've got money, so I trust in my ability to provide. I've got no worries. I've got safety. I trust my plans to survive. I've got no worries. We even got some affirming like-minded communities and they tell me exactly what I want to hear. And I'll tell them too. So I've got no worries. I've got no reason to trust in anyone but me. We don't want to direct our trust towards the God of the Bible. And we live in a very... rich society that is going to help facilitate that proclivity. We are too comfortable. We're also afraid of, of what God might make us do because we've heard all these other rumors of who people think God is. He might make us give up some of that stuff. We might have to relinquish some control. All of a sudden, we might not be able to have all the whole world in our hands when we look to the one who actually has it in his hands. But if that wasn't hard enough, we don't only find it difficult to put our trust in God, not because of our proclivity towards sin, not because of the way that society is distorting our view of who God is and our ability to not trust him, but we can barely trust one another. That's the other effect of our modern world, isn't it? We all breathe the air of this world in which is predominantly anti-trust, don't we? Like, do you know the date? It's 2023. It's the day and age of the Netflix exposure documentary. 
And every one of these documentaries is just like, well, they're corrupt, and they're corrupt, and they're corrupt, and they're corrupt. And don't do that, because that's corrupt. That's also corrupt. He's corrupt, she's corrupt, and they're also corrupt as well. So um, basically, you can't trust anyone. Um, so uh, go have a wonderful life. And we also live in this culture of the Facebook and the YouTube comment feed, truth conditioning our minds. We, we now know, don't know who to believe or who to trust. So we're like, oh, I, I, I don't know. Can't trust anyone or anything because it's all competing. And then if we actually take a risk, and if we actually go to show some real, real vulnerability, you know, not the fake pseudo soul vulnerability, you know, just deep enough to get some authenticity likes on social media. So it's like, oh, aren't they wonderful the way that they just shared about themselves? No, 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 like some real vulnerability. You do that, it bites you in the bum. People take that and exploit it and use it against you. You been there? Yeah, I've been there. Many of us, we've learned the hard way. And it's simply way too risky to be vulnerable. So even to consider whispering these words of our soul, this exposing sentence of search me, know me, lead me. Our hearts go, uh-uh, not today. Do you feel that? You take some time to like think about the what this prayer could do if God wants to answer it. You nervous about praying it? But I want to ask, what if there was a safe place to utter and pursue this prayer? What if it was possible to pray this prayer? What if God could be trusted with this vulnerable approach? You see, I think we, all of us long for this opportunity. And I think this prayer is actually the truest and most profound expression of what we all want. We want to get back to what Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden before the fall. Deep, abiding intimacy with God. The Bible says eternity is written on the hearts of all people. And this prayer is the process of leading us in the way of everlasting. Also translated the ancient way. And if this psalm is true, if you take time to read it through, you'll see that God is not like man. He can be trusted. So we want to crack open this psalm and put ourselves into a position where we feel safe for God to crack open our hearts. Today I want to show you how it is possible to pray this prayer from the psalm. I want to show you that God can be trusted and this prayer is beautiful and it can really change you and lift off enormous weight. Now, the first way that we have to come to pray this prayer is that we need to see this psalm in full. We need to see this psalm in full. Um, uh, 
Often when you engage in the Psalms, it's most helpful as a general principle to engage in the whole Psalm. It's, it's, it's very tempting to just take out one little verse here and there and be like, oh, I like that. Oh, take that, rip that one out of context. The journey of the Psalm is really important and so much more for Psalm 139. We need to engage with more than less the last two verses of this profound prose. Because for your heart to be fixed with more than a flight of fancy, you need to see this psalm in full. You need to see this psalm in full. Like, I've already read it for you. And I hope that you've already begun to get a sense of its vibe. But quick review of Psalm 139. What is the journey that it takes you through? Well, it's written by the man David, King David, the, God after, God, God, the, God, the man after God's own heart. He's a man with an incredible trust in God. He's a man who has done amazing things for God. He's a man that uh, probably has PTSD after the wars and the fights uh, that he has been in. Uh, he is a poet. Uh, he can get on the harp and the lute and he can, he can bang out a good tune. He's a little bit like Brett. Um, he's a hardened warrior, but he's also a sensitive New Age guy. Now, when... David goes through this psalm. We see the first six verses. He expresses this. God is all seeing. He says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. And he says his response to this is such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He says, like, God knows me. Whoa, I can't even begin to express how awesome that is. He says, God in seeing, God is, is seeing that he more than accepts David. God cherishes and guards David. And David, when he writes his psalm, I, I, he, he, he's, he's drawing from his reservoirs of experience with God, the, 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 the victories that he's seen, the, 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 the powers of God and, and the, what, what he has, the way he has carried him through. Verses 1 to 6, God is all seen. Verses 7 to 12, God is all present. The ocean, the darkness to the ends of the earth. David writes, even there your hand shall lead me. I can't get away. It's amazing. You're with me. Your right hand shall hold me. God in his presence is more than just aware of David. God is warmly with David. It's amazing revelation that David gives us. God is more than just there. He's more than just like, oh, yeah, I believe as God is around. God's just like, mm, yeah, I'm with you. And then verses 13 to 16, God is all creative. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. God is intimately involved in all that he sees and all that he is near. And, and God is, is he's intentional for David. He, he wants, doesn't want David to have a stale existence. God has made David with a plan. And David is like, I praise you. And David knows all this and his trust and confidence is expressed to the Lord. Verses 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts. Verses 19 to 22. God is all holy. He's all seeing. He's all presence. He's all creative. He's worthy of praise. He's all holy. And David, he expresses, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. See, David, knowing all this, his passion for the Lord, he sees others. He sees others that reject 
and rebel against God. And, and David doesn't want God's name compromised in that, that, in that way. He says, so you guys don't know who God is like I know God is. You can't say that. And why are you rebelling and, and pushing against that and, and seeking to corrupt that? So it's like, no. So David knows, and his prayer ends in this way. He wants to align himself with God, God who he knows is present, God who he knows is can see, God he knows is intimately evolved. And he says, I don't want to be like those who are corrupt, who ignore you. I want you to make me to be able to walk in your everlasting way because I have seen how good you are. To see the psalm in full helps us consider God compared to humankind. And from what David expresses and what we can read from the rest of the biblical narrative, I mean, you can pretty much open up to any of these psalms. So it's like, oh, I need some psalms that are going to like support this thought journey that I'm on. And like every page, it's like the opening two verses of all the Psalms are like, oh God, it's amazing. I'll just tell the church to read all the Psalms. So read all the Psalms. And you'll be like, yeah, okay. There's uh, we're, this, it's like the book, the Bible's written by one guy. <laughs> but what is it? What do we see here? You see, the Psalm shows us that humanity can't be trusted and God can. Why? Well, humanity has a capacity and has a ceiling. God is limitless. Humanity is bound by knowledge, time, and space. God is all-present and all-knowing. Humanity can't be trusted. God is trustworthy. See, people will exploit us. God longs to embrace us. People have little and last, a little and a and minimal power. God has authority of all heaven and earth. They don't understand us. God has experienced the worst of this life. They don't truly know us. He is the one who has intricately made us. No one seems to have time. God is the one who sits outside of time and is always there to comfort. Even my friends so often feel distant. God is closer than you think. Those whom said that they love me, they've been faithless. God is faithful. To see the psalm in full reveals to us that to open your heart to the one true God is not to put yourself at risk. It's to step into a place of refuge. To long for God's leadership is not a removal of your autonomy. It's to apply yourself to be who you were truly made to be. To be someone who entrusts your soul to God is to be known and loved. And you can say, as the Lord Jesus did, hanging on the cross in the worst possible circumstance, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
You see, search me and know me and lead me is a prayer spoken in the safety and the confidentiality of a gentle and tender king. The God who says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, steadfast love and faithfulness. To pray, search me, know me, lead me is a prayer that comes out of a spiritual integrity and longing to honour your heavenly Father, Lord and King. Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Search me. Know me, lead me is a prayer that knows that knows the deceitfulness of sin and also the freedom of God's instruction, his law. Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man and woman who trusts in the Lord, who trusts, whose trust is the Lord. They are like a tree planted by water. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give man, give everyone according to his own ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Search me, know me, lead me is a prayer that knows and is honest about our human proclivity to be self-seeking pleasure hoarders that by nature who are prone to wander from the God that we say that we love. As Paul expressed in Romans 7, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. Search me, know me, lead me is a prayer that is all about intimacy and growth. Psalm 51. David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you want that? We can trust God with this prayer. We can trust God with this prayer. Through this prayer, he can set us onto a path of freedom in life. 1 John, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. He can lead us through this prayer to an end of hypocrisy. The end of hypocrisy within the church. One John two, whoever says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But, but whoever keeps his word, 
James writes, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, to come to God and say, show me the sin that is keeping me from knowing you more will mean deep abiding intimacy with God. The person who seriously prays this prayer is put onto a journey so that they can get to the point to say with their whole heart, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I still remember really clearly praying this prayer for myself for the first time. I didn't even know I was doing it. Like I hadn't heard a sermon from some weirdo preacher who was like, you got to pray this prayer because it's amazing. It changed your life. I was just like in this Bible study. I still remember exactly where I was sitting. And it was almost like I watched myself pray those words when I got to the end of it. I remember sitting there on that carpet floor and going, God, reveal to me the sin in my life that is keeping from me from knowing you more. Because up to that point, I'd been on a journey through the Proverbs and I'd been learning about the wisdom of the Lord and the joy in his presence and what it was going to be like to be someone who took God seriously and lived it out. And so I was like, God, show me where my fly is undone. And the days, weeks, even months and years to follow, the journey of God just cracking open my heart for me to be for him to show me it's just like yeah you've got some work to do in loving your enemies yeah you've got some discernment to learn in how to figure out who's wise and who's not and how you're going to engage with both it's like yeah let me teach you patience Mother Teresa said, prayer is not asking, prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. Ravenhill said, no one is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. Dallas Willard writes, the more we pray, the more we think to pray. And as we see the results of prayer, the responses of our Father to our requests, our confidence is in God's our confidence in God's power spills over into the other areas of our life. God is not like man. He can be trusted. God is really, really good. He's right. And he is true and he longs to lead you on a path with him into the way everlasting. And to keep reminding yourself of this means that the frightening, somewhat dangerous nature of daring to pray, search me, know me, lead me is compelling, inviting. So see the psalm in full and know that you can trust God. But don't just do that. Don't just see the psalm in full. 
see the Son in flesh. Jesus Christ, the Lord. You can see him and you can know that you can trust God. Look again to the last six words of this psalm. Look at the request. After all of this great exclamation of the glory of God, it is lead me in the way everlasting. How do you seek to lead your life? What are you looking for your direction? How do you discern truth? Where do you go for hope? Where do you go for certainty? Where do you go for reassurance? Where do you go for power? Where do you go for wisdom? Where do you go for resolve? Got your podcast, you know, listening to some Joe Rogan in one and a half speed. Got yourself a YouTube channel, a WhatsApp group of like-minded friends. You got an Eastern philosophy that guides you. Well, the, said it before, the way everlasting, it's also translated the ancient way, the ancient way. Now, remind me again, who was it that made the bold claim that they are the way, the truth and the life? Who is the way? Who has shown the way? Who made the way? Who put you onto the way? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, what the psalmist is asking, what David is saying, is he stands heart and soul naked and not ashamed before God. He's asking God, give me your direction and your leadership. He's asking God, give me your confidence to walk and live in your good and glorious way. And the ultimate answer to this prayer is found in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, the word of God, the rescuer and redeemer, so that you can know God, the one who, because of his great love, saves us from the penalty of our sin and who saves us from death, who makes sure that we can have a life that is everlasting. Jesus, the giver of the Holy Spirit, who would work in us to have power over the sin that we have in our lives and so that we can now instead live for God. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way everlasting. Jesus shows the ancient way. And you can only go that way by receiving Christ and trusting in him as the crucified king the one who died in your place and took upon himself the punishment that was meant for you. And you see the open confession of your sin and your repentance, your longing to turn from it and go a different way. You see, if you can admit that you've sinned against God, if you can do that, you'll be willing and you'll want to have it continually shown to you so you can keep coming to God. John says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people received him not. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he has given the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God.
So church, that is the worst looking wasp I've ever seen. All right. What would God be pleased to do amongst us if we were a church that would willingly step into that space of God, search me, know me, lead me? What might that look like for us to be a church that does that? That's a pretty intense cleanup crew, isn't it? It's also a pretty intense environment for the grace of God to be shown to one another and to ourselves. It's also pretty, it's a beautiful picture for God to get the glory as he heals and works through his people to the praise of his glorious grace. So that then we could go to our friends and our families and our neighbors of the surf coast to be like, can I tell you about Jesus? Can't get away from him. Everywhere I go, he's everywhere. He knows me. He's seen all my junk. He still loves me and he's changing me. Do you need hope? Do you need reassurance? Do you need love? Come to the living water and drink. I'm going to close in a, with a short prayer. Invite you to pray it with me if you feel bold enough to. And I invite you to continue to be praying that prayer and home in your own quiet time in the Word to gather together with God's people to continue to pray it even on a Monday night. And then we're going to close and we're going to sing. And we're going to celebrate our great God who knows us, still loves us, and who leads us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.